0: The following conversation originally aired on The Point on KPOV 88.9 FM High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon, airing weekdays at 9 a.m., The Point is a half-hour, locally produced show focusing on people and events in Central Oregon.
1: Welcome to the Wednesday edition of The Point, producer, composer, lyricist, and Grammy Award winner Dennis Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
0: I am glad to be here, live from Franklin, Tennessee.
1: Woo! So you have accomplished a lot in your career, but today we are here to talk about your Grammy Award-winning album, Thank You Mr. Rogers Music and Memories. Can you tell us how this project came to be?
0: Well, to answer that thoroughly, I need to backtrack to um, a previous Mr. Rogers album that I did in 2005. The story behind that was, which, the story that got me on my my journey to all things Mr. Rogers I was sitting in my kitchen and had the TV on, and it was playing a rerun of one of Mr. Rogers' shows. And this lovely song came on that he was singing called It's You I Like. And I was just charmed by it. And I thought, boy, I've never heard this song. I wonder who wrote it. And after a little research, I found out, oh, my gosh, Mr. Rogers wrote this song, only to find out that he had written all the songs for his show. I just said, this guy's more than just a TV children's personality. He's There's a lot more to him. And when I delved into his catalog of songs, I found treasures. And I thought, I wonder if anybody else besides Fred Rogers has ever recorded his songs. And it turned out nobody really had. So I thought, this is a calling. I just could imagine these songs being performed in different ways, given a little bit of a, uh, a facelift and done with various artists putting their stamps on his songs and was just delighted with the way it turned out of course there were bumps in the road i had to get permission from his estate and they were very protective of uh, you know these songs these are fred's treasures because music was his passion i know i'm making this short story long but here's the uh, the happy ending when this album was released, I had no idea how it would be accepted by the Fred Rogers people, and I was kind of biting my teeth. And finally, I got a phone call from Fred Rogers' wife, Joanne, and she left a message for me. She said, I just heard the album, I love it, and Fred would have loved it. And I said, okay, that's it. I'm I'm satisfied. We went, ended up winning a Grammy for it, but uh, I think... If I had to choose between winning a Grammy and hearing those words from Joanne Rogers, uh, I'd go with I'd go with Joanne. So that's that's how I kind of got started with the Mr. Rogers. And the new album, which looks something like this, how's that for <laughs> <laughs> being prepared for an interview? Uh that's the album cover. It it's basically the same concept as the first album. We have different artists, new uh You know, people whose names everybody knows, like Kelly Pickler and Vanessa Williams and even Mickey Dolenz from The Monkees, and we could even talk about that. But the same idea, reimagining Fred's songs and uh, giving them a new life and keeping his musical legacy going. So were you, in fact, a Fred Rogers fan prior to this? Did you grow up with Mr. Rogers? You know, I was just a little bit past that age of being young enough to watch him. But I knew about him, like everybody else. I knew the things that everybody knows. Well, he—he he seems like a nice man. He wears a sweater, and he was on three times a day in some cities. But no, I, I really didn't. I—it I, was just that fateful day when something clicked. When and I—I I said, this is a, this is an opportunity to do something interesting. I had worked with different celebrities over the years, doing children's songs. So I I think I, I had, not intentionally, but life had paved the way for me to be ready for this project.
1: So Mr. Rogers' songs, you can tell they come straight from the heart. Many of them have wonderful messages. And you have so many talented artists on this album, like you said, from Vanessa Williams to the Cow cells. How did you recruit these artists for the album? And what was the process in matching each artist to the song that they recorded?
0: Oh my. <laughs> I laugh because uh, it seems easy just to say, oh, we just got them together. No, it was uh, it was almost a year-long search to find the artist. I probably contacted practically every artist in the music business. Some, some because uh, I wanted them. I knew that I wanted them. And some because the ones that I wanted, I wasn't getting. As it turns out, the people who ended up being on the album were really the best people s- suited for it because those are the ones who loved Mr. Rogers and they wanted to do it. You mentioned the Cowsills. Some of your listeners may not know who they are. Check them out. They they were the um, inspiration for the TV show The Partridge Family because they had a career and their their shtick was they were a family act. They had the, the young uh, rock and rollers in the band, but they also had the mother in the band and the younger sister in the band. And they had lots of hits like the one that goes, I love the flower girl, which is in the movie Dumb and Dumber, I think. But anyway, so the reason I'm saying this is because they were very appreciative. They told people when I told them that the song that I wanted them to do that I thought would be the best fit is Mr. Rogers' theme song, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And they were so excited and they would tell people and people would say back to them, You got that one? And Yeah, that's it's a great, great story. But to answer your question, I have a legal pad, single lined of all the people I tried to contact for the album. And it took a long time because 75 percent of the people I reached out to would have said yes, had I been able to reach them directly. But there are managers and there are agents and there are gatekeepers. It took it took a while, but it was gratifying when we ended up with the 13 people that we did. And
1: there is one song on the album that is a collaboration. Thank you for being you. Why was it important for the artists to do this song together?
0: Well, I felt that even though we weren't in the studio all at the same time, each artist was recorded separately, it was important that we show our solidarity for Fred. And everybody had time and budget allowed, we probably could have done something like We Are The World and had one big recording session. But since we couldn't do that, I thought, this is a way of just showing we're not just single people, we are representing a nation full of people that are Fred Rogers fans. So I wanted to write a song that conveyed that. And part of the reason we ended up with a song called Thank You For Being You is because, I have to backtrack again, this album didn't start out as a music album. It was originally going to be an album of interviews, me talking to different people, everyday people, saying, well, what do you think of Mr. Rogers, or have you ever had an encounter with him? I got uh, so many interesting stories from people, but the thing that they always said at the end of it, I said, "What what would you say to Fred if you could? And they would always say, I just want to say thank you. So... That's where the the idea started. And then eventually, when some music people started coming on board, we had to do a 90 degree turn and it turned more into a music album. So the interviews got set aside for a little bit, but the song idea of having one song that said what we all would like to say to Fred, that remained. How did you match the artists with the song? (laughs) That's a great question. Well, it it's a process. I, I had to really familiarize myself with Fred's repertoire. And that takes a lot of time because there are so many songs. And first I had to weed out the songs that were, even though they were wonderful melodies and sentiments, some of his songs were like 30 seconds. And, you know, that wouldn't work for a recording, at least not by we, things we know via radio and other places. So so I had to go through that. And then finally, I, I had to get familiar with enough with these songs so they were ne- second nature to me, so that when I thought of an art, artist, for example, Mickey Dolenz, well, what what is there about Mickey? Well, we know him from The Monkees. We know this signature voice that he has. We know that the songs were kind of in that 60s, 70s, genre, that kind of style. So I hit up, you know, as I'm going through all these songs, you just check them off. No, that won't do, that won't work. And then, oh, wait a minute, here's a song called Perfectly Beautiful Day. And as I listened to it, I said, you know what, if we did this and this, this would be a Monkees or a Mickey Dolan song. And I, I like to think that it is. I'm really happy with the way that turned out.
1: That definitely sounds fitting. I was wondering if you have a favorite memory from this whole recording process that you could share with us today.
0: Ooh, another great question. Wow, there, there were a lot of special moments. Mm, kind of racking my brain to, to see which one stands out. Well, you mentioned people like the Castles and Mickey Nolan's. well, even... Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr., who were in The Fifth Dimension. Well, all of them, all these signature people that you either grow up listening to or you discover later in life. And they're just voices on the radio. And all of a sudden, you're standing next to them. Not only standing next to them, but you're hiring them. <laughs> it's like, what is wrong with this picture? Well, you know, I should be in the in the audience just cheering them on. And yet here I am conducting... Mickey Dolans and I said, "Part of me says, I, I I am not worthy of this." And there was actually one moment with a, where Mickey did something with his voice that I didn't feel was right for this particular recording. And I said, "Hey, Mickey, could you?" Here I am telling Mickey Dolans, "Don't do this." And he said, "Well, that's a Mickeyism. That's that's my signature." And I said, "Well, how about just a little less Mickeyism?" <laughs> yeah, so, but. They were all pretty special moments the first moment I heard Vanessa Williams singing Fred's song. "There are so many ways to say I love you," being so familiar with how Fred sounds singing it. I mean, he sounds the way he should sound, like Mr. Rogers gently conveying it in a conversational way, and then all of a sudden you hear this powerful pop voice doing and said, "Wow, this is." Not a children's song. This is a song you would expect to hear on the radio. Granted, there are some little children's references, which I didn't feel quite right about. You know, rewriting Fred's music. I think it it still works. Um, I'm going to think more about your question because I I feel like I'm forgetting some very special moments that that happened during the whole thing. Aside from getting on a plane to go to Los Angeles in the middle of this horrible storm out of Nashville. And the flight was delayed like five times. I didn't leave Nashville till like one in the morning to go to Los Angeles. And our recording session started at 10 a.m. the next day. So I do remember that. That was a special moment that I actually arrived there in time.
1: Did you expect the album to get as big as it did or receive to receive this positive praise that it has?
0: Well, I don't know. You know, you—it's like giving birth. You—you you don't know what your child will turn out to be. I, I have a—I have a son, and he's totally not interested in music, so it can go either way. I think I had great expectations that—that that it turned out as well as it did, and that people would accept it that way because I did have a little bit of experience from the first go around. I think it's it's tape it's tempered with the fact that we released this like just at the start of COVID, which threw everybody into a frenzy. And then not only that, the um, the fact that the the demise of the CD, the physical CD, uh, came about around the same time. So it's it's a whole new ball game in the recording business. How do you how do you sell records? How do you get people to hear your music? And it's if you're a songwriter or a um, an artist, in some ways it's easier because, oh, I can go on social media, I can do this. I don't re- need a record label anymore. I'll be my own record label. Uh, I come from an old school. I didn't want to be a record label. But in this case, um, uh, to be totally honest with you and your listeners, I had approached different labels with this project, and nobody got on board for it. So I ended up doing something I vowed I would never do. I put money into my own project. <laughs> the first rule of show business, do not invest in your own projects. And I broke that rule because I felt so strongly about it. I don't expect that I might ever recoup the investment for this, and I, it's not so important anymore because it's the album is more important. And... You know, what happens with it, happens with it.
1: I read an article about this album in the Franklin Lifestyle, and you mentioned it's not the moment of getting the Grammy. It was the year and a half of hard work and disappointments and rejections that happened prior to it. It's amazing that either of these albums got done. So I'm currently at a point in my life where I'm chasing a dream and facing a lot of rejection. So what advice would you give to someone to keep going despite hardships?
0: Oh, my. I actually have some interns who come and work for me from uh, Belmont University, which is a great music school here in Nashville, and the thing that I try to convey with them is that if this is your dream, then you must pursue it, but, but do it with eyes wide open that this is a tough business filled with rejection, and you have to put on your suit of armor and let those things bounce off of you, because if you don't, you, it, it'll just destroy you. Uh, so I've I've learned to live with with people saying no. And uh, my band member from the, the group that I play with the Wanna Beatles, he says, "Dennis, you get excited when people tell you no. You just like you just like say no, you can't say no to me. and And maybe some of that is true because I've, that's the way I've been able to deal with it. And also, if you have um, a passion or a project that is your vision, What are you going to say later in life if you haven't pursued it? You're going to say, oh, I wish I had done that. So I'd say go for it, but be wary at the same time.
1: So you began your career at the age of seven on Broadway, won a Grammy for your work as a producer on Sesame Street Country. You've worked on projects for the BBC, National Child Safety Council, Sony Kids, Walt Disney Records, Random House, even video games and interactive toys. What has it meant to you to bring positivity to the lives of children around the world?
0: Oh, well, gosh, when you put it that way, uh. I don't think I knew exactly that I was doing that. I still don't know if I'm doing that as I'm doing it. Well, my goal is to make good music and to uh, honor children and do things that, that will help them enhance their lives and make them appreciate music and, and other good things as we go.
1: So we are coming up on the last minute of our interview. Where can our audience go to learn more about you and your upcoming projects and also more about this album that you've produced?
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, Well, as far as the album goes, the easiest way, the website where you can actually listen to things and vote for mr rogers to be in the songwriters hall of fame which is another campaign of mine it's thank you mr very easy thank you mr and there probably is a link to my own website which is net. you can see things that i've done along the lines but uh, i do hope people will give this album a chance uh, listen to mr rogers in a new way and i think they'll enjoy it and you know that we're honoring him by listening and supporting his music
1: Well, thank you so much, Dennis Scott, for taking the time. It has been a pleasure and very lovely to talk with you today.
0: Thank you. Thank you, too. A pleasure. And it just went so fast. It does. It always does. (laughs) Thank you both.
1: Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and for our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.